2: Say What? is the radio program of Protect Our Kids, which seeks to inform and equip concerned citizens about the looming crisis in American education. So listen in as your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr., unpack the issues and organizations affecting our children. And now here's your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr.,
3: Hello everyone, I'm George Roska and I'm Mark Schneider and we want to welcome you to today's episode 104 of Say What? where we talk about the threats to our children in the public school system including the increasingly alarming evidence of the corrupting nature of public
1: education. That's right George, you know as the products of this system enter into higher education and then into society they begin to assert their acquired worldview and often with frightening results. Uh, The latest example occurred recently at Stanford Law School, and um, we need to talk about this today. I mean, it's been all over the news, but before we get into it, I guess we should provide a a little bit of background. What happened there a number of weeks ago, in fact, it happened on March the 9th, was that the Federalist Society had invited a um, U.S. Circuit Court appeals judge. His name is uh, Stuart Kyle Duncan, and he's in the Fifth Circuit. He happens to be a Trump appointee, which probably explains a lot of what we're going to be addressing today. Exactly. But the Federalist Society has been around for a long time. It's a conservative legal organization. They have many chapters in uh, some of the most prestigious law schools in the country. And so they regularly invite conservative speakers. And this was a Stanford Law School chapter. And so they had taken the time to invite Judge Duncan to come and address the student body there of the law school. The topic was on something that shouldn't be that controversial anyway. It was guns, COVID, and Twitter. Okay, it was controversial (laughs) (laughs) from from the get-go. But that's not what caused an uproar. Uh, The event became something of a cause celeb and was marked by protests that were led by a student coalition who called themselves Identity and Rights Affirmers for Trans Equality, or Irate. (laughs) Yeah. After a request for his speech to be canceled by this same group, had been denied by the law school. Now, what follows um, is mainly from an article that the Wall Street Journal published, which covered the event and which Judge Judge Duncan himself uh, participated in. But before we start, I think it's uh, wise to recount a, a statement that is on Stanford Law School's website. And George, here's what it says. This is the appeal to society. Come, come to Stanford. Yeah. We are known for our collegial culture, intimate and egalitarian. In this close-knit community, collaboration and the open exchange of ideas are essential to life and learning. Well, we didn't see much collegiality at Stanford on March the 9th, did we? Yeah,
3: it was more like caveman activity.
1: Yeah, I mean, so this is the article from the Wall Street Journal, and uh, I'm just going to read paragraphs uh, from this article, and then we can talk about it. So here, here's the first one. This is from Judge Duncan himself, who wrote on uh, the 18th of, of March. When I arrived, the walls were festooned with posters denouncing me for crimes against women, gays, blacks, and trans people. Plastered everywhere were photos of the students who had invited me, and flyers declaring "You should be ashamed." With the last word in large red capital letters and a horror movie font. Okay, what a way to be greeted! You know, you're invited to speak, and already it's an adversarial um, environment. And then he goes on: some 100 students were masked outside the classroom. As I entered, faces painted every color of the rainbow, waving signs and banners, jeering and stampeding and howling. As I entered the classroom, room, one protester screamed, we hope your daughters get raped. Say what? This is from Stanford Law School. Law students.
3: Who are going to become lawyers and judges, possibly?
1: Uh, I assume so. You know, the uh, state bar pass rate at Stanford is like 98%. So most of them are going to enter the legal profession. Wow. These are highly uh, intelligent kids. He goes on. Before my talk started, the mob flooded the room. Banners unfurled. Signs brandished. Fed sucked. Trans Lives Matter, this one upside down, and others that can't be quoted in a family newspaper, be in the Wall Street Journal. A nervous dog, literally a canine, was in the front row, fur striped with paint. A man with a frozen smile approached me, identified himself as the dean of student engagement, and asked, are you doing okay? (laughs) I don't remember what I said. The students were upset because Duncan had defended Louisiana's traditional marriage laws, and that alone, George, was enough to, to set them off. To be irate. I, I, yeah. He goes on, as for my judicial decisions, among the several hundred I've written, the protesters were especially vexed by U.S. versus Varner, a federal prisoner serving term for attempted receipt of child pornography... And with a previous state conviction for possession of child born, petitioned our court to order that he be called by feminine pronouns. As my opinion explained, federal courts can control what pronouns people use, including in the prison system. Well, the Stanford protesters saw it differently. My opinion, they said, had denied a trans woman's existence. The very existence, not just her identity. (laughs) When the Federalist Society president tried to introduce me, that's when the heckling began. The Federalist Society, you suck, is pleased to welcome Judge Kyle Duncan. You're not welcome here. We hate you. At that point, George, the Associate Dean for Diversity... Equity and Inclusion, a woman named Tyreen Steinbeck, I think that's how you pronounce her name, she took to the lectern and opened a folio. It turned out to be a printed sheaf of papers that she had obviously prepared beforehand and delivered a six-minute speech addressing the question, here's the title of the question, is the juice worth the squeeze, okay? Mm. I'm not sure what that means. Where but is this going? <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it. So in obviously prepared remarks, she claimed that Judge Duncan's work has caused harm. It feels abhorrent and literally denies the humanity of people. So this whole oh. thing seems like a setup. Here he is. He's he's invited to speak on a completely different topic. He gets there, and he's sabotaged immediately by post protesters and posters and uh yelled at homonyms and then you know he tries to engage with the audience that becomes impossible and so this woman now gets up who's the dean for the DEI yeah. uh, uh, committee at at Stanford gets up there with a prepared speech so this seems like it was all prepared beforehand um my presence put Ms. Steinbuck in a tough spot, she said, because her job is to create a space of belonging for all people at Stanford. She assured me that, oh, I was absolutely welcome in this space because me and many people in this administration do absolutely believe in free speech.
3: Oh, they absolutely do.
1: I didn't feel welcome, he said, who would? And she repeated the cryptic question, is the juice worth the squeeze? <laughs> the interpretation being, is what you have to say really worth our time here? Is it worth upsetting us based on your prior opinions and where you stand judicially? That That's really the message. We don't have any tolerance for people like you just based on what you stand for. And she asserted her belief in a speech before equivocating I understand why people feel like the harm is so great that we might need to reconsider those policies. And luckily, they're in a school where they can learn the advocacy skills to advocate for those changes. Now, that's
3: shocking right there. That is so shocking. And when I was reading that quote, Mark, that bothered me big time. Because what she is saying is that We know how to manipulate this constitutional republic to get it to where we want it to be.
1: Exactly. And uh, all this is on video, by the way. Uh, You can go to the article on the Wall Street Journal. There's an audio that's available. So uh, you don't have to take our word for this. You can go watch the video yourself and uh, draw your own conclusions. Anyway, thereafter, the Stanford Law students hurled abuse including vile sexual innuendo. Uh, Some filed past uh, Judge Duncan spitting insults like, you're scum, whereupon two federal marshals decided, okay, now it's time to step in. And uh, they had to escort uh, Judge Duncan out. Well, the next week, nearly a third of Stanford's law students continued the protest, donning masks, wearing black and forming a human corridor out inside the school, what were they now protesting? Mrs. Martinez for having apologized to Judge Duncan.
3: And she's the, what, she's like the associate dean? Yeah, yeah. um,
1: And one of the administrators there. Well, in the aftermath, Stanford's president, Mark Tessier-Levine, and Stanford Law Dean Jenny Martinez, yeah, the law dean, later apologized to the judge. But the following Monday, students lined the halls to protest Martinez for protesting. So that's what happened. And I guess, George, uh, since this event happened, the associate dean of the diversity, equity, inclusion department is on administrative leave. For for unknown reasons. For unknown reasons. And uh, she's she's being paid. Yeah. (laughs) So – A few facts about Stanford Law School. This is the number two most highly ranked law school in the nation, only behind Yale.
3: Oh, my goodness. The number uh, two.
1: Number two. So this is the elite of the elite. And for students to get into this school, uh, they have to be ranked at the very top of their game. LSAT scores, you know, close to perfect gpas you know 4.0 or above uh, extracurricular activities and even then the the admission rate is like four percent
3: don't don't those students see the racism in themselves because they ended up taking the lcat score i mean didn't the uc system in california just abolish any kind of scoring to get into college (laughs) it's it's not (laughs)
1: abolished yet people still take the lsat to get into law school but, yeah, it, it probably is going to go by the wayside. The point being, George, that what you saw here, the behavior from these students, these are our future leaders. These are the people that are, are going to run our corporate boards, that are going to go into uh, political office, that are going to be spokesmen for all kinds of political campaigns, that are going to making decisions on behalf of all of us. I mean, they have this academic pedigree And they plan on using it. I I think the lesson here, one of the lessons, is intelligent and wisdom are not mutually inclusive. Uh, Many of the world's worst despots have been highly intelligent. Uh, In fact, an intelligent tyrant is much more dangerous than a stupid one. And we are apparently breeding little tyrants now that are matriculating to some of the most prestigious universities in the world yeah. including Stanford.
3: I mean, especially in the old days if you were a really really intelligent tyrant you knew how to devise strategies of war because war was what kept you on top. Right. It, you know. So we're we're seeing that happen here again.
1: And uh, unfortunately, it's not the first time that we've seen conservative speakers being heckled uh, off the lectern at prestigious universities, um, followed by forced evacuations of, of these people who were invited. Uh, a little bit of history, and this is a report from the National Review. Liberal professors outnumber conservatives on at these highly prestigious universities, By 17 to 1.
3: Say what? Now, that's not
1: really surprising, but it is a say what moment. I mean, that, that is a fact of life. Where student activists regularly shout down or even physically assault conservative speakers. Students vandalize and tear down historic monuments, you know, because, well, we just can't tolerate this anymore. In recent years, college students regularly shouted down Conservative speakers like Ann Coulter, Ben Shapiro, we, mm-hmm. we remember those episodes, at institutions such as Cornell, Penn State, the University of New Mexico, which free speech advocates warn is a harbinger of a growing what's called heckler veto that will further cancel conservative voices at America's institutions of higher learning. So you can be invited. You can show up. But the call, if you want to give a heckler's veto and make sure that nobody gets uh, the ability to actually speak their mind, well, that seems to be uh, pro forma today. Um, Another example conservative author and Stanford trained lawyer Heather McDonald had to be police escorted from Claremont McKenna when she got up to speak. In 2022, at the Yale Law School, now we're talking about the number one rated law school in the country, more than 120 students gathered to protest Alliance Defending Freedom General Counsel, Kristen Wagner. Over 400 law students there, more than half of the law school student body had signed a letter condemning ADF's advocacy of people being bullied by LGBTQ activists. They called ADF a hate group, which profoundly undermined our community's values of equity and inclusivity. At least four armed police were called to respond to the protest.
3: Oh, how tolerant of them.
1: So, George, this begs a question. Who owns the university? Mm. Who's in charge these days? Is it the administrators In our public universities, is it the taxpayers who are paying the bills to underwrite these institutions or is it increasingly uh, immature uh, students who feel entitled to shout down uh, speakers who are invited there?
3: I think it's the latter, Mark. We've seen that.
1: it, It seems to be that way. As to how we got here, George, you and I have talked about uh, what's been going on in the public schools for a couple of years now, how they're being corrupted by what we call the triple threat, um, yeah. section gender theory, critical race theory, uh, social-emotional learning. And we're reminded of what Abraham Lincoln said, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of the government in the next. And we can see the, these future activists being trained at our most uh, vaunted institutions. Many of these same groups have DEI departments. Stanford's not the only one. Uh, And they operate sort of like committees of public virtue in repressive societies roaming the streets, or in this case, the hallways of the university, looking to punish transgressors. In fact, Jay Green of the Heritage Foundation has reported that the average major university now has 45 DEI personnel. Wow. The University of Michigan has 163 diversity, equity and inclusion officers. Ohio State and the University of Virginia each have 94. Georgia Tech has 41 DEI personnel but only 13 history professors.
3: Wow. I I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked, Mark. I mean, I would imagine you would have a, you know, a dean of DEI, right? That leads some kind of an ad hoc committee, uh, that I've usually seen, you know, in corporate America. But 163 DEI officers. I mean, what, what
1: do these people do all day? Well, we know what they do. Uh, they think up reasons to, uh, invoke more political correctness at these universities more ways to ensure that the woke agenda Mm -hmm. uh, is being advocated for and implemented in these universities, making sure that conservative speakers are uh, uh, hecklered uh, vetoed off the lectern uh, where they have been previously invited to speak. Um, I think it's pretty clear from these numbers uh, what their job has been in these universities.
3: It's like the (laughs) DEI Gestapo.
1: Exactly. Um, A Virginia professor revealed a shocking diversity, equity, and inclusion course where staff members at the university were asked to choose what intersectional identities they would leave behind to die in a hypothetical scenario. Okay, so this is part of their administrative training. The worksheet, which was produced by the Office of Addiction Services and Supports, OSAS in New York, listed a group of 12 potential passengers for a spaceship leaving the Earth because it's, the Earth is doomed for destruction. However, there are only eight seats available on this life-saving flight, and those attending the seminar are, asked, are tasked with choosing the fittest. And among the 12 identities are an accountant with a substance abuse problem, a militant African-American medical student, a famous novelist with a physical disability, a female movie star who was recently the victim of a sexual assault, of course, a gay male, a professional athlete vegetarian. And this entire uh, exercise, George, is all geared to uncover your unconscious biases and to cure them.
3: So, do we want to survive, or do we want the unfittest
1: to survive and be the eight on that? You, you can take your pick of which of these you are going to leave behind. Here is the bottom line: you sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind, and we are reaping the whirlwind today. You can't hide what's happening in our college campuses, and, and the question becomes where did these kids come from? What worldview training did they get before they arrived at these universities? And what is in the pipeline that's going to continue to fill our higher academia and eventually come into positions of power in our culture and government?
3: Yeah, Mark, Mark this is so shocking for me. I just can't fathom the fact that these are our brightest college students who are engaging in such barbaric activity and yet they do not see that in themselves. No, not at all. Um, And I'd be interested to dig a little deeper in this, but I'm assuming probably most of these are white students. Um, As we've typically seen the case, even in BLM protests, um, most of those people were, were white people trying to become allies of a cause uh, to somehow pay penance for, you know their their sin of oppression and their white privilege. It
1: shouldn't make a difference, but I wouldn't be surprised either if that's the case. But it, it you know, George, is quite frightening for our, our future because I don't think SLS is an uh, isolated school. I yep. think this is sort of the uh, the motif, the mentality at all our our nation's most prestigious universities. Which to parents, this sends a message to you. You may want to. Think twice about where you decide to spend your hard-earned academic dollars um, on that budding freshman that's excited about going to either an undergrad program or a graduate school. I think it's time we rethink this whole thing.
3: Parents, this is a huge, huge, huge you know alarm bells kind of podcast here um parents we invite you to continue visiting our website ourprotectourkidsnow.org uh download and share our brochures watch and share our many many videos that we're putting out there you can even share these podcasts which are right on our website or you can take them from Spotify um or iTunes uh you could also download how to start an alternative school guide Um, and we especially would like for you to share that with your other parent groups or your church groups wherever you attend. Um, Also on the front page is request a speaker button, and if you want Mark and I to come and speak at your uh, local group, we would be more than happy to do that, as well as a donate button where you can become part of our guardian angel program uh, and help to evacuate more and more kids out of the public school system. Um, and to not let them become uh, like these students here at Stanford Law School that we just uh, heard about. Uh, So uh, please continue to share our information and we will talk to you next time.
2: We'll see you then.